Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now verses 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. From the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and rule over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. as well as those watching online with us uh, this morning. My name is Adrian, and I'm one of the pastors here at Carnegie Free. Great to be with you today. This is the first Sunday of Advent in the traditional church calendar, and the first candle in the Advent wreath is the candle of hope. Uh, today we're starting this new message series called Savoring Christmas. Before we jump into that, just a few quick updates related to last weekend and then also for newcomers here. If you're a newcomer here today, we extend a special welcome to you. Thank you so much for choosing to join us for worship today. If you're brand new, we have information for you at the information table as well as a gift for you. Just say thanks for joining us. And if you've been around for a little while and you're looking for community, you can join us over the kiosk for life groups and care ministries. We'd love to help you get involved and uh, find community here whenever the time is right for you. Our vision statement here at Carnegie Free is really simple. It's every person matters. That's it. Every person matters. And you matter deeply to us. You matter deeply to God. And pray that you would know and feel and experience that today in a rich way as we look forward to the Christmas season. This past Sunday, we had a sweet, sweet time at Celebration Sunday, didn't we? I'm not sure if you had a chance to, to be here, but we had about 1,100 of you here and it was a great, great time. We fed 1,100 people, both from our church and from the broader community. A lot of folks brought neighbors and friends and people from Salvation Army and a number of different places in town as we ate a lot of turkey and a lot of desserts, didn't we? It was a great, great evening together. We had nine baptisms, sweet testimonies of life change. You can find those at carneyefree.com. Watch some of those baptism stories. Just great, great testimonies last week. 
as, uh, as God's bringing about life change in this place. We also had a time where we received an offering for the capital opportunity that we're doing right now in our effort to retire the debt that we have on this beautiful worship space and the lobby, build a prayer room here, build a church down in Columbia, and then finalize this chapel space that we have over the other side of the building for our youth and our bilingual ministry. And I'm excited to tell you that we received 135000 last weekend alone toward that project. And uh, yeah. just once again and again and again this church has been so incredibly generous and we're down to the final leg of that project which is just paying off the debt all the other projects have been completely paid for now and uh, the debt has been brought down substantially as well over this past year if you'd like to give to that there's still time just what you wanted to hear right okay there's still time if you'd like to give to that and you can do that before the end of this year or thereafter simply by notating on your uh, check um from here to there or capital campaign you can also find online ways to give at carneyefree.com but our church is in a really great place and we're so thankful for your generosity and for all the great work that God is choosing to do even through ordinary people like us let's pray here as we open up this morning's message and uh, we'll get started father thank you for this morning thank you for every person in here as has been noted already every person matters to you we're so grateful that everyone is here today as we enter into this Christmas season and we seek to grow in the gift of hope. As we prepare ourselves for the gift of Christ this Christmas, would you grow our hope even this morning? We've all brought in various priorities and challenges, and there's many things on our minds, and those have a place. But for these next moments, we ask God that you would be front and center for us that you would help us to dwell on you, that we would worship you, that we would receive communion as a gift from our good God, and that we might learn a little bit more about the long-awaited Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, is, is Christmas ever disappointing for you? See some heads nodding. Mine is. <laughs> Christmas is disappointing sometimes, isn't it? So much so that I took the liberty to come up with my top 10 reasons that Christmas is so disappointing, which I'd like to share with you. You might have your own top 10, but I have a microphone. <laughs> Number 10, I've already heard this sermon, Pastor. I get it. I've already preached this sermon, too. <laughs> Not this exact sermon. I don't repeat them, but there's only so many passages you can preach and hear at Christmas. It gets... It can be redundant. Okay, number nine. Uh, the kids are visiting the in-laws this year. Uh, truly, that is disappointing, isn't it? When that happens, it's disappointing at Christmas, and it goes to a disappointing thing that many of us feel during the holidays, and it's the, the pain of loneliness. It's the reminder at the Christmas season to bring someone in, especially someone who doesn't have family around. Bring them in. Number eight. It's December 23rd, and two-day shipping no longer applies. <laughs> Turns into three-day shipping. Men, you are warned. Number seven, Johnny's new toy requires batteries. Number six, the worship team at church failed to play my favorite Christmas carol. How dare they? Number five, family dysfunctions are functioning well. 
I pray it wouldn't happen for you, but it probably will. Number four, the bulb in the middle of the string of lights went out. Why does that always happen? Despite all of our efforts. Number three, the turkey was dry again. The turkey I cooked at Thanksgiving was a little dry, and then at Christmas it's a little dry. Number two, fruitcake again? Do I have to have that again? What's in that, by the way? Does anyone know? Some fruit? I'm not sure. Number one, most disappointing thing about Christmas, in my humble opinion, is Black Friday. And man, I heard someone say, yeah, let's... <laughs> it is! Black Friday is so disappointing. All right, I'll get off of that. There's actually a website dedicated to uh, Black Friday death count. And it tracks the number of people who have been killed in stampedes, stampedes outside of retail establishments on Black Friday in the United States since 2006. Twelve people have been killed. 103 have been injured as people stampede and wait in line and in some cases fight just to save 30 bucks on a new air fryer. That won't make your Christmas special. It'll still have lots of disappointments, won't it? Okay, so my question here, though, this morning is, how do we have a Christmas this year? How do we prepare ourselves, though, this year for a Christmas with a little bit more joy, a little bit more hope, a little bit more peace, and fewer disappointments? We're all going to have disappointments this holiday season. Perhaps you've already had them as you voyage through Thanksgiving. But in the month of December, they seem to be around every turn. And so how do we prepare ourselves for a month with a greater focus on Christ and all that he would bring into our lives and fewer disappointments? Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 7, and we're going to look at a number of different passages. Uh, we won't open up to Isaiah 7 right now, but you can turn there with me right now. We're looking at a number of different passages, all from the book of Isaiah, that speak to this prophetic gift of God that is, re that is realized through Jesus Christ at Christmas. And each of these passages, though, that we're going to look at this morning are prophecies that were given about the coming Messiah over 700 years before the Messiah came and perfectly fulfilled each of those prophecies. So as you turn to Isaiah 7, we want to talk about the role of preparation, the role of preparation in making for a great, Christ-honoring, joy-filled, hope-filled Christmas season. Anyone else want that? Yeah, we want that. And so the role of preparation in that over these next four weeks is absolutely critical. I'm not talking about buying the perfect gift, preparing to buy the perfect gift for that special someone, though that has a place. I'm not talking about preparing yourself financially for what will be an expensive month, though that certainly has a place. I'm not talking about preparing the house with the nicest decorations and putting up the lights, though I really love those and look forward to getting my lights up someday soon, I hope. We're talking about preparing to receive the gift of God, which can be received afresh by us this Christmas season, and it need not feel redundant for us. Historically on the Christian calendar, various church denominations have celebrated this thing called Advent, in which they light a wreath 
And there's all these different symbols around Advent, and you may or may not have experienced an Advent celebration in your years coming to church, or you might be brand new to church this morning, and that's great. We don't usually celebrate Advent here at Carney E. Free, but we're going to do so this year. Let me tell you a little bit, a little bit about the symbols around this wreath. Uh, the wreath is round. It's a circle, which is given to us to symbolize God's love which is without beginning and without end. Just as a circle is without beginning and without end. You have these candles, which represent the light of Christ. And with the light of Christ, the candles typically represent what we long for across life, but especially the season. They represent hope, joy, peace, faith, and love. Sometimes four candles, sometimes five candles. The wreath is made of evergreen branches, which represent the evergreen, everlasting life that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a rich celebration that's all intended, all pointing toward giving us a new focus, preparing our hearts for the joy of this season. The word Advent simply means coming. God is coming near to us. And you look at Isaiah 7 right now, and you see the promise of God's coming in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 7, 14 puts it this way. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, think of this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God is with us. This is a promise that was prophesied 700 years before it was fulfilled that a virgin would be with child and then it was perfectly fulfilled. That's part of the reason that we believe Christianity is true. And this is the hope of the prophets. This long waiting for God to bring about a Messiah, to bring Messiah to earth, to fulfill his long promises to bring us redemption that God would be with us, that God would be near us, that God would even liberate us from our failures. Advent means coming. And at Christmas, when we celebrate Advent, what we're trying to do is remember the initial coming of Jesus to that little town of Bethlehem, but also we remind ourselves of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again, isn't he? And he will come again a second time in glory And he will bring about justice on the earth. And this was the longing of the Apostle John who said, for example, in Revelation 22, as he looked at the mess of the world all around him, way back in about 8090, he looked at the mess of the world all around him and he said, come, Lord Jesus, come. So also, we do the same at Advent. We say, come, Lord Jesus, come. We wait for you, Lord Jesus, to return. He came the first time as a gentle baby will come the second time as a king to make all things right. And in between, he still comes to us. In between this Christmas and each Christmas, indeed each day, we draw near to God, and the promise is as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. He will come near to us. Ours is to prepare for his coming. This is a season of preparation, of building hope for the goodness of God. And so as we talk about this first candle of hope, I want to talk with you this morning about three ways that we can build up Christmas hope again. 
all from the prophet Isaiah. Christmas hope, number one, Christmas hope builds when we recognize that someone great is coming. You ever had the experience of really looking forward to someone great coming over to your home? Maybe it's an old family member that you haven't seen for many, many years, and you feel the excitement building up in your soul as the days get closer and you're about to see that long-lost family member that you haven't seen for many years. Or there's someone famous that you really wanted to meet and you knew you were going to get this opportunity to go meet them. I remember when I was 10 or 11 years old, I was a huge Los Angeles Lakers basketball fan. And this was right in the middle of the Showtime era in which the Lakers were winning a lot. And I like rooting for a winner just like you do. And so I was rooting for the Lakers back then, and uh, since then, you should know I have repented for my wicked ways. But back then, it was a Showtime era, and they had Mag Johnson and big game James Worthy and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I was so excited about the Lakers. They were winning championship after championship. And I was living in Denver, and my uncle played college basketball with one of the guys who was playing with, for the Lakers at the time, and he knew that I was a big Lakers fan, and he arranged for me to have front row seats during a practice, a private practice where I could go and watch the Los Angeles Lakers at the old Denver McNichols Arena. Woo! I mean, it was awesome. And then after that, to put icing on the cake, I got to sit down with the Lakers for a meal at the Brown Palace, this glitzy hotel where the NBA and NFL teams stay well when they come into Denver. And I'm sitting there with my uncle and with one of the Lakers players, a guy named Maurice Lucas, and in walks seven-foot-two, goggle-bespectacled Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, oh, yeah. You feel this excitement when you look forward to something like that. Some of y'all are rolling your eyes at me. I see you. But you, you look forward to seeing someone who's exciting to you who you hope to meet and you feel a hope building up, don't you? That times a thousand, man. That times a million is Jesus coming to our home at Christmas. And his presence is available to us at Christmas. He would want to be near to us at Christmas and every other time of the year. But this is a time for us to pause and to stop and to remember. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6, you heard this already, but it bears repeating. This is what we're waiting for. This is what we're looking forward to. This is the one that we are anticipating. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he will be called. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Man, I, I don't know what you need this Christmas. But my guess is some of us feel like life is unstable. You need someone who's mighty for you. Some of us feel like life is discontent. I'm constantly discontent, as Brian talked about last Sunday. Great message from Brian on contentment. If you haven't heard it, you might go back and listen to it. Many of us feel discontent. He's your prince of peace. Many of us feel this disappointment and this feeling like everything is constantly shifting. Well, you need one who is everlasting for you. Everlasting Father who will be there for you all the time. You need a wonderful counselor. You need a mighty God. You need an everlasting Father. We need a Prince of Peace. What do you do to meditate on these truths? 
as you anticipate the Christmas season and perhaps heighten your hope in the goodness of God who indeed wants to come to you and me. Meditate on the names of Jesus. Sit there with him and ask for the wonderful counselor to come to you. Christmas hope builds as we recognize that someone great is coming. And Christmas hope builds as we focus on the simplicity of this beautiful season. The simplicity of this beautiful Christmas season. Christmas, simplicity. Christmas, simplicity. Let's say it together, ready? Christmas, simplicity. Y'all didn't do it. Come on, come on. Let's say it together. They're way better than you than 915 hour, and they're a lot older too. Join me. Christmas, simplicity. Some of you guys are rolling your eyes at me again. Stop it. I know it sounds like a total oxymoron. It sounds impossible, but this is what God intended. He intended Christmas simplicity. This is what he intended for us. You know, my favorite tradition, perhaps, or one of my favorite traditions at Christmas time is preparing the tree with my family. And I like to prepare a Christmas tree kind of like this, perhaps with a few additional ornaments that my kids have made, maybe some portraits of my kids from when they were younger, something like that. Together as a family, we go outside of town, we cut down the tree ourselves so we can have the smell of evergreen in our house, and then we put some of those ornaments, and we want it to be elegant and beautiful this beautiful tree to look at. But the truth is, sometimes we prepare the tree, it begins to look a little bit more like that. Anyone else? You know what I'm saying? And if you look at your December, you want your December to look like that. Don't you? You want your December to look and to feel like this. You want an elegance, a beauty, a simplicity. But the truth is, it oftentimes looks more like that mishmashed, ugly tree, all dangling all over the place, and we miss the joy of the season. Just think of the Christmas narrative as you consider the various elements and really how simple it is. There's this working-class teenage couple from a dusty rural community right smack dab in the middle of flyover country. They're not yet married, but they are teenage lovesick. And they're told by an angel that though she's a virgin, she's going to be a mama. Then the angel tells them to get on a donkey and travel some 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But when they get there, there's no room in the local motels, so they're left with labor and delivery in a barn with some gentle but also poor shepherds and animals nearby. And God met them right where they were. You can't miss this about the Christmas story. They were not at home. They were not with their loved ones. They were not with family. They were in a barn. And God met them right where they were. The Old Testament scriptures commanded them to prepare a gift, a thank you offering to God for the birth of their first newborn son. And the customary gift back then, as prescribed in the Old Testament, well, was to give a lamb, an offering to God to give to those who were impoverished well, within Israel and also to feed the priests. But if you're poor, you couldn't afford a lamb. And so if you're poor, there was provision in the Old Testament that you would give two little pigeons instead. So that's what Mary and Joseph brought to the temple, two little pigeons. 
Now, because infants are being slaughtered back in Galilee in their home territory, they travel south another 40 miles to Egypt, where they are refugees who are given asylum in that country for three years' time, at the end of which they throw all their belongings back on that old trusty donkey and walk back to Nazareth 140 miles, whereupon boy Jesus plays with wood carvings in the shop while his father, Joseph, builds tables. And in honor of that, we've invented Black Friday, which starts on Thanksgiving Thursday. And then events every night of December and insurmountable debt in January. Merry Christmas. That's not what God intended. He intended Christmas simplicity. You with me? Let's get it back. He intended Christmas simplicity. Finally, Christmas hope builds as we remove obstacles to fellowship with Christ. Christmas hope will build for us as we remove all obstacles to fellowship with Christ. Turn over about 30 pages in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 40, and you will hear this passage once again that was read for us this morning. Isaiah 40 verses 3 and 4 says, A voice of one calling out, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God to come in. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. Remove all obstacles to fellowship with God. You prepare a way, you remove obstacles, you make the rough roads a straight path you clean up shop in order to prepare for fellowship with God the question is what are the obstacles that would stand in the way for you of fellowship with Christ it probably for each of us it's going to be something different but here are a few obstacles for me that I know that I have to guard against a calendar with no margin is certainly an obstacle to my experience of Christmas it's an obstacle to my experience of Christ this Christmas the truth is there's a party there's a pageant there's a concert on every corner throughout the month of December and you have to determine along with your family which ones to say yes to and which ones to say no to and it's okay to say no in your effort to build margin at Christmas because the simple fact is complexity will be a roadblock to your priorities. This is a truth that you can hold on to across all of life. Complexity blocks our priorities. Whatever the complexity is will get in the way of your priorities, whatever they may be. And so you have to identify, what are my priorities though, this Christmas season, along with my family? What are my personal priorities as a worshiper of God though, this Christmas season? And how do I remove some of the complexities so that I can enjoy time well with Him? And again, that will be different for each and every family, but each and every family is wise to say, this is our strong yes. This is our priority. And therefore, here's some of the complexity that we will say no to in order that we could prioritize Christ. Number two, 
Another obstacle for us will be unrealistic expectations of people. We all have high expectations of other people on the holidays, and I do as well. I expect the holidays to be just perfect for me. We all do. We have really high expectations of other people, but here's the reality. People will let you down, in case you didn't know. And you'll let other people down too, in case you didn't know. Your siblings will let you down. You'll be disappointed by the fact that sometimes your siblings have more money than you, and that'll be frustrating, but that's okay. Sometimes parents will let you down, but because parents are not able to be there with you at Christmas, but, but that's okay. Sometimes your kids will let you down because the kids don't have the same love for your traditions that you have, but that's okay. Sometimes in-laws let you down because they don't have the same traditions as you had, but that's okay. In each and every case, it's okay because Emmanuel, God is with us. In each and every case, it's okay because we remember he is our, our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace, and other people are not intended to complete us at any season and especially at the Christmas season it's Jesus it's being filled again with his warmth that completes us I've had to wrestle with this myself I can be controlling I think you know that already I've already said that what sins have I not admitted on this stage <laughs> I can be so I, you know I recognize that about myself so last week, I took half an hour and just journaled about it. This is not my holiday. I can't control other people. How do I surrender them to you, God? How do I surrender this time to you? That I would be completed by what you give and not by other people. Final obstacle that is central to the Christmas story is our own harbored sin. Is an obstacle that gets in the way of our fellowship with Christ. You remember it was John the Baptist who said these words here in Isaiah chapter 40. He applied these words to his own life at the beginning of his ministry in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 3. And he is kind of this forerunner that came before Jesus. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he goes before Jesus and he says, My job is this, is to help make straight paths for the Lord to come in, that you would be able to have fellowship with the Lord because you've connected with me first and that I would make a straight path for you to be able to see and experience Jesus and all of his brilliance. He said, that, that's me, the one that Isaiah talked about back in Isaiah 40. That's me, John the Baptist says. And what's the number one way, though, that he said, make a straight pathway to the Lord? He said, repent. He said, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And many of us don't really like that word, repent, I get it. But the main obstacle to our connecting with God and the one that John applies to his life as he's making straight paths in the wilderness for us to walk in and say, I'm going to draw near to God is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is near. God's kingdom is near to us. His spirit is available to us. And the issue so frequently is the self-imposed obstacle between us and God, our own sins. 
to which we are wise to come to the communion table and simply say, God, here I am again. I've missed the mark again. I've held on to bitterness and unforgiveness against my sister again. I failed to worship you with my full heart. I've been spiritually lazy. I've had lust. I've had greed. I've been characterized by pride. I give it to you again. And the manger and the cross come together in Jesus as he dwells with us, but he comes to forgive us too. The voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people shall see it. You and I shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so we say, come, come Lord Jesus, come. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this season. We take just a moment here this morning and we extend our hands to you. I wonder if you would even be willing to open your hands to God for just a moment as we pray. And we would just invite you right now, Father, to put into our hands what we need for this season. Lord, I know that many of us in this room need more hope this morning. I ask God that you would put hope in our hands. Others of us are wrestling with disappointment and we're needing contentment and peace this season. Would you put contentment in our hands? Father, the truth is some of us can't receive the contentment and the peace that you want to give to us. We can't receive the hope and the joy that you want to give to us because we're holding something else in our hands and it's called sin. And the hard but true word of the scriptures is we cannot hold on to our sins and hold on to God at the same time. So what is it that you need to let go to God? be an obstacle that would perhaps stand in the way of a hope-filled Christmas. The obstacle that would prevent you from meeting with Christ this year. Is it a, a December with no margin? Or what can you give? Is it ridiculous expectations of people? Or what can you give to God? Is it an unforgiving spirit? An unwillingness to make things right with someone else? Can you surrender that to God right now and then commit to make things right with that person? Is it some failure that you just can't believe that God would forgive? Oh, Jesus came to earth to dwell with you. He loves you. He loves you so very much. 
and he went to the cross to die for you the son of man came not to be served on this earth but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many including you would you receive that this morning Father give us open hands give us an open heart to receive all that you would do in us and through us this Christmas season. We'll be very careful to give you all the glory. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to ask our deacon and deaconess team to distribute the bread through the rows at this time. and In just a moment, we will take and eat the bread together as we celebrate the reality that Jesus came for us to be with us and to redeem us both now and forevermore.